podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I've got it. Okay, let's start. As you're drinking, I'm going to drink as well. Not that the yeah. Athletic Brewery is a sponsor of it, but I love it. Uh, I am an ambassador, so go grab 20% discount if you want. If you put um, less 20 on the Athletic Brewery website. Oh, sweet. Um, hello, Sir Ken. Sir Knight, Hello. that sounds really grand. Um, how <laughs> have you been? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Uh, scrambling, just coming down from, we got, in the last couple hours, we got like a foot of snow, not to add it on top of the the other about foot or so that we had prior to that. And so just getting back from work to here has been, was a bit of a challenge. And now I'm drinking some hot tea and warming back up. Well, but you you managed to get get to talk to me so i'm really really happy um yes sir I was How gonna, are you less? i am very good thank you very very good although um if you can hear children crying all day they've been all right and now suddenly there's a war downstairs so if you, <laughs> if you hear her screaming they just try to rip their heads off i so i think I so life as normal <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i was gonna ask you a few questions ken because um yeah I'm trying to scale up a little bit and you just done it. Um, so I would like to know the process, the secret, how to be successful uh, instead of being a dodgy owner to become a business owner. How did that transition uh -oh. happen in your grand um, studio? Okay. Um, yeah. You know, I can't say that I have all the secrets. Uh, my, not unlike the way I took over the the, the dojo that I run, um, the the way that I ended up taking over the business that I've been at is I worked very hard there for the last 18 years. I worked on uh, building a good relationship with the with the owner. It's a pretty small company, and I had been there a long time. And yeah, we had challenges, we had difficulties, and I faced those, and we faced them together, and we worked and built a really great relationship. And when it came time for him to transition out, the conversation was pretty easy for me to transition in. So I don't I have all that like cliche stuff of just like work hard and and keep trying. <laughs> it it was no more than that for me. And and how much, yeah, are we not gonna take, take say numbers, but in, in a conversation previously, uh, we've both been talking about your pricing and uh I think you guys in in states are so fortunate. I looked, um, I talked to my wife about uh, how much you're paying for that unit, and here I would have uh, about uh, five hundred square feet for that. So the shoebox, um, yeah. but you with all that space, you know, in in states, you are so so lucky there. Yes, we are so incredibly fortunate, in incredibly fortunate. Um, one, the the pricing was really good. The landlord that we have specifically just kind of wants a retirement income so he's not like gouging for it and what he wants more than anything else which we provide or i hope to provide is a nice stable environment with people who are going to take care of the place and and keep it nice and and we we tick all those boxes we're there consistently everybody in the dojo helps out to keep to take care of the dojo and you know we have a great relationship with that landlord too so in exchange, we get a pretty decent rent um, and a whole lot of space to to use for ourselves, which has been absolutely, absolutely wonderful and something that I never could have dreamed. 
Well, I'm really happy that it's all going great. Um, last time when we talked together, it was quite a long time ago, uh, you've been just implementing yeah. that um, no color belts. And so I've, I've done similar thing before. I think I talked about it and, and we had no belts at all. And uh, it was working for yeah. a year or so. And then the people started to kind of lose motivation because mm -hmm. us Europeans like to have a certifications belt and, and stuff like that. And so I kind of returned to it. We've got only five. But how you, you go back now to to the belts. I know yeah. you're talking about your channel, but um, I was going to ask what is now, what differences you're observing now after coming back to the color belts? Okay, so interesting that we talk about it. So I kind of had the same thing. I think um, when we spoke last, we'd probably been all white belts for maybe a year or so. Hmm. Uh, and then we've kind of been doing that for a while. And and for the most part, it's been great. Everybody's training, training hard. Um, people people like it. People show up, which has been awesome. I really haven't had any, any major issues with an all-white belt system. And so a part of it for me came when I tested for my blue belt in jiu-jitsu. There were two things that stood out to me. One, it was having that really clear goal of something tangible to go after and two the the recognition afterwards you know we all mm -hmm. talk about how like we're not specifically doing it to be recognized but it, man it sure does feel good and so when when that happened that was something that i realized that i didn't have so people that weren't there you know they came in they saw saw the new belt on me and they they congratulate and be excited uh maybe push you hard in the rolls or whatever mm -hmm. and decided that that was something that we were missing by not having so the removing the color the colored belts was great because it de-emphasized um having a, an external goal rather than an internal goal of self-improvement but it also lost in that um, nobody really noticed if you weren't there the night that person was promoted you really didn't know unless you went out of your way to find out you didn't have any way of knowing and and giving some recognition to to their hard work. And we should want to celebrate each other. So I didn't do anything too crazy. I went ahead and did stripes for the white belt. We have, um, and our old system was white, yellow, blue, green, brown, black. And the two main ones were, were green and brown. Mm -hmm. Green was a, a pretty significant, um, pretty significant landmark. And then, and then brown was the same way. So I brought back those two colors. And then we just did stripes. There are four stripes on the white belt uh, leading up to the green belt. And then the other thing that we've done with that as a way to recognize and celebrate people is now there's a demonstration. So not not a test. Everybody, I mean, you're tested every day and we do we do some testing because you need to be put under pressure and, and that sort of thing. But in conjunction with that, we're adding a demonstration at green belt and brown belt. So just a chance to celebrate you and celebrate what you're doing and, and how the art is working for you, what you like, the way you move, setting, setting an example, but mostly a celebration of that student. Yeah, I, I actually, because of you um, and your videos uh, with Rick, Rick Ellis and um, following yeah. his thought process uh, on the belts and stuff, I, I came up, I think you shared it, um, the display of, a black belt in bjj when they not mm -hmm. you, you know you, you don't have a grading but you do display so i changed yeah. it as well so now our our gradings are you know we're watching you for a whole year 
and then you show mm -hmm. us the best what you can do because i understand that on a day people get stressed and things don't go right because i was suffering with this as well i used to go so uh, anxious about the grading oh, that things yeah. were, you know forgetting the japanese names and stuff like that and you more you forget the more panic you get a worse gets worse and it started rolling right it's getting worse yeah. and worse and worse so i changed that i do a month of assessment when on every training i'm looking on um, some area of what we want to do and then we yeah, do like a, a a grading as a display so they just have to you know yeah i want to see this and this and this and i've done very simplistic black belt and test what we're going to be in test the display what we're going to be doing uh, with my autistic students as a first one to to try it in a new format in um, september this year so uh, i'm oh, really cool. curious how that works for you that assessment instead of grading yeah i'm i'm excited to see it too and i'm excited that you're doing that uh the the thing that's interesting to me so the way you mentioned rick ellis and rick ellis is is in there with Roy Dean and Roy Dean. That's where I, I got my, my jujitsu belt from. And it's Roy Dean's practice to have those demonstrations, which I really like. And I'm sure there are other places that do it too, but his is pretty notable. And something that I really liked about it that I'm keeping is, is there's a set, but you get time to prepare it. So when you are ready, so effectively in a lot of ways, um, in, in the jujitsu, it was set up in such that you, you probably were already considered that belt. So when it was time for me to prepare my demonstration, I was probably already considered a blue belt. Uh, it was just time to go demonstrate that and put it out there for everybody. And you got time to do it. And so I've done the same thing with I've got um, three students right now who are preparing to to do their green belt. And. I've given them what I want to see certain, you know, I want to see so many applications from the, the katas that they need to know, which is only four. And specifically, I'm interested in seeing, you know, the movements that are very indicative of that kata. You know, there are many moves that are overlapping in kata where we have the same movements in each one. And there are ones that stand out when you see that and you're like, ah, oh, that's Pinan Sandan or that's Pinan Yundan. Mm -hmm. I say, you know, I want certain, certain things. I want to see some grappling. I want to see some striking. You know, I want to see some throwing, this kind of stuff, some application that makes sense that they like. But they're getting a chance to put it together truly like a performance. It's it's very opposite of a grading because in the grading you come in, and, and at least the way grading was for me is I know that I need to know a lot of stuff. I have a pretty good idea of what that stuff is, but I have no idea exactly what's going to be on the test. So you come in, and they're asking you stuff, and you're doing it, and you have no way of knowing what you're going to do that day. Um, and... I'd, I like that from a testing standpoint because it nothing really tests your, your knowledge and ability like being unprepared and doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. But instead in this case, and like I said, we'll still do testing because I do believe that there needs to be some pressure, some pressure testing, especially in the sparring and that kind of stuff mm -hmm. um, to, to get people there. But the demonstration in this case, it truly is like a performance. They've spent probably a month already. They might spend a month or more now putting it together and and doing it and that's not unlike the way it was for me i had a couple months to put together my demonstration i knew exactly what i was going to do and better yet my partner that i was doing the demonstration with knew exactly what i was going to do mm. so could really showcase that that's what i want and I, I sat down and talked to them about it i was like that's what i want when you're working with your partner you're helping them showcase who they are so if you're if you're not remembering what they need to do or how they need to do it or what they're doing uh 
then then it becomes resistant and then resistant becomes clunky and clunky is is not what we're trying to do we're trying to have a great performance and a celebration of you so it's literally like rehearsals rehearsals for this thing for me on my blue belt every class i would go through my whole demonstration it took me about 45 minutes so i grab my partner and then i'd go through 45 minutes of running through this demo from start to finish figuring out what was working what wasn't working and then maybe i'd go drill parts that weren't working to get better and that's a benefit of this demonstration is the parts that are working really well that you got down you don't need to drill them as much but the things that you don't have down that you know you're going to have to demonstrate then you can really spend time getting good at doing it and so it reinforces that focused practice while also letting you feel confident that for the last month you've done this exact demo over and over you know exactly what you're about to go to if you've done any theater performance or dance performance or anything like that you don't have a general idea and then go out and do it. You've hmm. done it. You've done it over and over. And it's still nerve breaking, you know, it's still or nerve wracking. It's still stressful. It still can be anxious. Um, that's something that hits me a lot. I'm not a get up in front of people kind of person. Hmm. And I had a student that had a project, a dance project, uh, where she needed to bring somebody who's not a dancer and do do. And so this last year, I did a dance project with this student. And had to get up in front of everybody to do it. And that was very stressful for me. But even when it goes wrong, you can adapt. And it was very, it ended up being very fun and a very rewarding experience and very memorable. Um, and I think there's there's still plenty of value of working things out, getting rid of the rough edges, doing things in repetition, and then, and then performing them live. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think, <clears throat> so we're doing quite a very, very similar. So you you're ready when you grade it, right? Because I wouldn't send yeah. somebody who's not ready because they are my business card. If I send, say, somebody, you know, are you going to test now? And they fail. That doesn't look, I just had a, yeah. I done a bad job, isn't it? Right. So, yeah, because they so, don't fail, you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so what we do, we have a, like you said, technical display when they need to do things which I ask them, but we've got a, a kind of, um, uh, free expression part so they have to come up with five different um, combinations and uh, so mm. they tell oh i'm going to be doing this and this this and this so i have the five combinations on the pads and stuff like that without resisting partner then with resisting partner and and have a play but you know the, the under pressure test is well you've got 15 20 people waiting for you to spar so then you you cannot just play. You need to respond to to life pressure, and and I think that's enough to. That's what I liked about that um, a video I've seen. So they done a technical display, and then we got the live sparring, and yeah. use what you showed as much as you can, right? Because not everybody allows you. There are people better, worse than you in sparring, but you do best you can. Yeah, my sparring was awful. I mean, you can go, <laughs> anybody watching this can go watch my tests and I felt pretty good on the technical demo. And you know what? I mean, as soon as I went to do the sparring, I was completely gassed. I was empty tank, everything I could do not to just want to give up, right? It was amazing how, just how gassed I was immediately. Of course, you just did the better part of an hour of technical demonstration and then in front of everybody, which which does affect you. And then prior to that, we had done a few hours of a seminar and then to go spar after all of that, the tank was empty. And, you know, so then you have that grit of, can you just stick it out? Can you do it? And how does it go? And I didn't do nearly as well as I would have loved to. I mean, I would have loved to have shown, you know, 
something significantly better. I mean, hell, I, I lost most of those matches. I, I think I, I got a tap like twice, maybe three times. It was it was not compared to the number of times I tapped. You know, if it was based on tapping, I lost. Right. But it mm. wasn't. The sparring was was to show how you do yeah. and show the, the the way the art is moving in you. Um, and, and I think that's such a valuable thing to have it down technically, but then go do it and you might not be able to do it or you might have to adjust or you might have to this or you might have to that. And I think that's such a, such valuable feedback, even without anybody telling you anything, just having gone through it, the feedback that you get. And I'm so thankful that there's a video of it that a, I can go look at any time and, and review and see what could I have done better when I, all of my old tests coming up, we didn't video anything. We didn't have anything like that. So I don't have any reference of, of what it was like coming up. And this I do have. And now even further, it's on the internet. Anybody can see it. I'm laying myself bare and going, okay, this is who I am. And it it takes a lot of courage to to just put it out there and and be who you are. Flaws and all. This is this is who I am. Anybody wants to know who I was that day, you go look at it. And there are parts I'm proud of and there are parts I'm not proud of. And all of it should be okay. And all of it, I think, should be celebrated. I definitely, I definitely agree with you. It is a, um, people who don't put their content don't know how stressful it can be, especially oh, when yeah. there are a lot of nobeds going and uh, criticizing you. And you go to their page and there's nothing they can show, but, you know, they're very happy to criticize because they can. Yeah. You know, and I take it even further as a, as an instructor and the head of a school, it's like, I'm putting it out there. This is who I am. And that might determine whether or not you ever come train with me. And, you know, that's, to me, that's, that's an integrity that I need to have. I need to be able to show that and go, this is who I am. And maybe you don't want to train with me. But maybe you do. And maybe maybe you want to train with somebody who knows they don't know it all and is willing to put it out there. Um, and maybe that makes you feel more comfortable working with this person rather than somebody who has all the answers and, and makes you feel so small. Either way, if you want to know who I am, I'm not hiding it. And that's important to me. I think that's what brings people the authenticity. Um because you can say with your with your videos, you know, you're just saying plainly what you think, and and you can see it's authentic, not um, a stage. Uh, I had mm -hmm. I had a problem with this as well. You know, doing my content, I'm not that as popular as you are, but I, for some some you should uh, be. <laughs> of course, <laughs> I should be, but I'm not. <laughs> but you know, I, I was trying to mimic other people and, and struggle with that. I think it's a bit of an imposter syndrome. And you know, yeah. I'm not good enough. I need to be like somebody else. And actually, we've been talking about it with Ian Abernathy recently because you know, I can't can't believe that I've got year and a half seminars booked, uh, and people want yeah. to train with me. When I'm turning up on the seminar, it's like, well, I don't know why they want me here, but I do my best. So you know, it's a constant battle with uh, being authentic and trying to meet the expectations which I made in my head. Not necessarily right. other people expecting of me, right? So we are their worst enemy. Yeah, isn't it funny how that's the biggest challenge is a challenge that nobody else knows you're dealing with because mm. you're the only person who created it and knows about it. Yeah. So I was I was gonna ask you um, going back to training methodology because 
I see most of the people in my dojo are coming from different backgrounds, so they do different stuff. And okay. I see they really struggle with um, putting everything together because what I don't want them to be is the carbon copies of me. I want yeah. to get their experience and mix it all together to create their own karate. But people really struggle, and they've got the um, shelves or boxes, and those will not mix ever, ever, right? Kung Fu here, Aikido here, Karate here. Okay. None, yeah. none will mix, right? My, my theory is you need to take everything out, chuck it in the middle, mix it up, and that's yours, right? So it takes a lot of, uh, my wife took seven years to get rid of all those barriers. How do you deal with that in your school? Because you're training three different things. And you've got mm -hmm. students doing different things. How do you use the methodology and which way you're going with the methodology of training and how you break those barriers? Okay. Yeah. You know, so in, in one, in one thing I think is really important is I try to keep them separate and that sounds counterintuitive to, to trying to have this inclusive methodology of the different things you know how to do. Um, but for one, not everybody who comes to that class is doing the other things that I do. And so I want to make sure that the experience that they have in that art is of that art. And I believe that's the best thing to do for the art itself as well. If I want to show you the karate I was given, well, then I can't water it down with everything else. If I want to show you the jujitsu that I have, I can't water it down with everything else. If I want to show you the eskrima, I can't water it down with everything else. So I try to keep them separate. And I try to make sure that those things are, that each class has its own you know, I, I, I believe that that one of the things that really helped with me was having consistent ceremony, you know, sometimes a uniform change, things like that, so that you get kind of a mindset flip, um, if nothing else, to help you prioritize the thing that that art might do. Um, and then I will reference it. So if we do something that another art happens to do, and I know the other student has done that, and this is true for even if it's an art that I don't do, maybe I know they do Aikido. Maybe I know they do Krav or, or boxing or some other thing that is not specifically something of mine, but I know that this thing overlaps with it. I try to make sure to identify that and, and show, you know, just like this. Or if you do this art, you know, you might call it this thing. Um, so that, I, that if I'm willing to create those connections between these two arts, then hopefully that's giving you permission to create those connections yourself. Then... Additionally, I don't mind if people do things their own way. And that can be that can be a challenge. And, and sometimes I want I'm very specific about what I want. And sometimes I need to be flexible. So what I try to do is I try to make sure that the emphasis is on the principle that's at work. That if you're doing the technique we're doing and you're mixing in something of your own that for me, the important part is that the thing that you're mixing matches the principle that I'm trying to get you to understand. Because if it doesn't, then I'm just, I'm too loose and I'm not actually helping have a structured training for you. Um, mm -hmm. you know, so for example, the other day, this was a good example that was recent is we were working a lot of stuff that attacked the center line, moving in, and controlling the center line, all, all the hits and everything direct into the center. And then I was working with a student who, who wanted to throw some elbows and that was fine. Um, but when I look, she's throwing circular elbows that are not, that are not going into the center. And 
so we talked about it and I said, you know, this is, this is fine. I like it. And I think that it's valuable. These elbows fit here. Perfect. Um, but the principle at play is we're working with the center. So you could modify it to these elbows. And we talked about elbows that stuck with that principle, um, you know, or just shelf that for now, knowing that you could do it, but it's not what we're doing in this moment. Um, either way, there's nothing wrong with it, but let's try to stay on topic. And the topic today is this particular principle. And that that's kind of my approach. That's kind of how I go about um, allowing it. You know, and then in the sparring, I, I I'm not as worried um, if people mix and blend different things because you do you do what you do. I like to think of it like a like a workshop, right? Um, I'm a big fan of Adam Savage. You know, if you don't, if people don't know who he is, he's incredible, incredible person. Mythbusters for years, all kinds of stuff. But he's mm -hmm. an incredibly knowledgeable person. But you look at his workshop. Well, he's got metalworking tools. He's got woodworking tools. He's got plastic working tools and small tools and all kinds of things. Well, what he does is probably a good example of what I want the art to be like. When he's working on a project, all of his tools are out and available. And yeah, he might be working on a woodworking project, but he might hit a part of that project where something metalworking, maybe now he's needing, needing to mill a hinge or something like that. Well, his metalworking tools are there and he can go access them when he needs to. Um, he's not limited just because he's working woodworking. He doesn't say, well, all that stuff needs to be put away or I need to have my woodworking shop physically somewhere else. It's just there. And you either grab the tool or you don't. And that's that's how I want it to work. When you are when you're working and you're sparring or you're training, or you're doing things, I want you to have all of your tools available, tools that I've given you tools that you've picked up elsewhere, tools that you're learning from the people that you're working with, have all of them available and grab the ones you need as you need them. Mm -hmm. And don't try to put them away. In fact, I want them on display. I want you to be thinking about them. And if you choose to use them, it's because it was relevant. And the only time I'm going to, I'm going to have difficulty with you is if I recognize that you're pulling tools that are not relevant mm -hmm. and then we'll talk about it. And how do we, how do we, prioritize the right tools not that the tools are wrong but just make sure that we prioritize correctly that sounds like very uh, logical um, approach which is completely not mine uh, <laughs> <laughs> i'm kind of a chaos creating person and thriving <laughs> in a chaos um so it, it's completely not not my alley but hey oh, we're all different and that's what makes it um, yeah. unique and fun and if it works it works right um, I was right. going to ask you, how do you consistently getting ideas for a good content? Mm -hmm. Well, here's the answer. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, the sometimes I have an idea a week or more before I, so I film every, and I do this to myself. I film on Sunday and I release on Monday. Sometimes that leads to a really late Sunday. Um, uh, you know, I'm finishing Monday morning, like 2 AM trying to get it out to stay on schedule. And so far I've been able to stay on schedule and I should do better. I should have it recorded days in advance. So if something doesn't go right, and there are parts that I'd like to do better that rely on that, which I'm not doing, but some days I have it days, weeks in advance. And some days I don't have it until I'm literally standing in this room and I go, what am I going to talk about? And it's not five minutes before I record, I figured out what I want to talk about. Um, and some days, if, you, if you've if you watched the channel for a while, 
some days I don't know. Hmm. I truly don't know. And, and that's where some days, you know, I had one recently where I was like, I don't, I don't have an idea. And I put a video about not having ideas. Yeah. And I also let people tell me about their ideas. But um, most of the time as I've just built a habit of as ideas come through, I try to write them down um, and include just kind of have a list. So I can, if I don't know what I'm going to talk about, I can um, just look at the list and go, well, what do I feel today? What do I have feelings on? Cause sometimes I'll have something I'm like, yeah, that's important, but I don't have anything to say about it right now. Um, whereas like this week's video, the one that came out today, um, that uh, last week I was having a conversation with a person and that just stayed in my head and I'd be driving around town and I'd be thinking about it. I'm like, yep, that's what I'm going to talk about. I had a different video planned. I did that one instead. Um, I try not to be too structured with it and just generally have a, a few different ideas rolling and, and it's worked okay so far, but it probably comes across better than it actually is. Cause I, I don't always know. I don't always know what I'm going to do. Yeah. It, I think to your advantage is that you are very well articulated, which um, if I look at my, my, my content, it's a lot of um, jittery and mm, uh, mm, because I noticed yeah. that's how Polish people speak. So I was watching a few interviews in Polish and ah, it's just, that's the way we speak. We're doing ah, those sure. breaks, making uh, funny noises, which irritates <laughs> hell, of, hell out of me. I can't watch my videos because you just, oh, don't speak like this. Why are you speaking like this? Speak clearly. <laughs> and um, so, you know, and like I said, I'm, I'm a very chaotic person. So my thought process is not organized. It just jumps. So if I just talk whatever comes to my mind, it's just like we're gonna be everywhere and nowhere. Uh, oh sure. Except that, except the topic I want to talk about. <laughs> so, so it's kind <laughs> of a mess, and 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 it's very for me it's very difficult to get the. Oh, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about that because it just comes and goes. So I'm really impressed with your um, ability to create create and articulate really nicely and valuable content which I was leading me that long way around leading me to a question that uh, maybe a, a listeners, you, <laughs> maybe listeners can give us an idea because um, three of us, so Ken, Christian Vedevart and myself will be doing the seminar in UK in uh, June in 2024. And my idea is to do a philosophical corner or a brew. Uh, yeah, brewing it, budo. A, brewing budo, exactly. Um, so we're going to yes. sit down and, and pick the brains of Ken and his philosophies and maybe learn how to express ourselves better in karate. So I am so excited. Is... I cannot tell you how excited I am uh, to do the seminar with you, with you and Christian. This is going to be incredible. So the, the question was to, to you guys, would you like to see that or would you like to prefer just have a, a hands-on seminar? I think the, the brewing budo part of it would be brilliant. Uh, and it's, I think it's the community bringing together element as well when we can have a, actually have a tea, coffee, beer and uh, and a biscuit and actually just really talk, exchange the ideas and, and, and see how it goes. Yeah, I really, I really hope people want that. That's, that's my dream. The part that I'm most excited about is that part, uh, because to me, that's one of the parts that's been the most valuable to me in the martial arts and training the martial arts for all this time. Um, so when you mentioned that as an idea, 
I instantly was in love. I was like, let's, let's do that. I, you know, let's do some physical training. I'm, I'm absolutely fine to do some physical training, but I love the idea of having some time to sit down. We do that in our class, um, every class. So uh, at least in the karate class, each class is different how it's structured, but in the karate class, we go through, we do, we warm up, we train, we get done. Um, we go through our dojo kuns or whatever. And then everybody circles up and we talk. It was something I took from my Aikido instructor and so we have five, 10 minutes after each class to just sit and talk. And sometimes we talk about karate and sometimes we talk about different just stuff around the house or any kind of thing, because it doesn't matter. Sometimes it's just having that community and that people to talk to um, and feeling like you can. So I'm really excited and and hope people are interested in this idea um, of sitting down and and sharing thoughts and theories and philosophies about the martial arts and training and mental health and all the different things that that we have as a part of what we do. I think I think it's going to be great. And um, what you can what you don't can't like, you know, it'd be a happy person, grumpy person, and a wise person. Well, every box <laughs> ticked, ticked. Right. Oh man. <laughs> Uh, and uh, you know, Christian is great fun as well to to teach with along him, and uh, we do it great. And I, I'm sure that with you, um, it's just going to be very nice dynamic on the on the floor. Plus, the, you know, Christian's got a really good ideas as well, and and his concepts, and and you know, when we talk between the yeah. punching and kicking, he's a very clever guy as well. So I'll be I'll be out uh, brain number, but hey ho brain cells number. I'm really excited to train with both of you because both of you both. Um, you, you both have excellent books that I, I have read and recommend your training philosophies. I follow, I follow both of your, your material and I, and I really like it and I encourage people to pay attention to it. So I'm beside myself with this ability to, to actually share a space with you guys. And I'm really looking forward to myself getting a chance to, to train and learn from you guys. Um, and that you talk about that imposter syndrome and I'm sitting there going, what does people, what do people want from me? They got, they got less, they got Christian, they got all this. What do they need me for? Um, but I'm excited to do it and I'll, I'll just do it. You know, really I, I think to, to the degree we, we all suffering with that uh, imposter syndrome because, you know, we're just doing, we, we're us, we're doing stuff which we like and, and people really want to learn. Yeah. And, oh, I, I, I can't say I, I never imagined because that was the goal I wanted since I was 16. Right. I just never believed that it's possible to actually, you know, I'm going to be that person who can teach people something valuable. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of, of all of this, uh, I hope that, that your listeners, your viewers, or whatever are, are willing to write in some ideas, things that they want uh, us to, to do physically. So we talk about this, this brewing Buddha, this philosophy corner. Um, so we'd be thinking of your ideas and things that you want to talk about. But what kind of physical stuff do you want to do? I have got a mixed background and I'm very comfortable with the idea of, of anything. And I would love to hear what, what people would like to experience for me if I, if I, well, not if I'm coming out to, to teach and to train and to have a great time. And if there's something particular that you'd like me to cover or go over or share with you, uh, let us know. Let us know early and maybe we can toss ideas, the three of us, and come up with a great congealed thing for you or if not it will be uncongealed and chaotic but it will be great regardless yeah i know what i want i want you to, to um, teach me how to use the proper lighting for videos and record Dude, done. <laughs> i will do that i will do that um 
And and it's funny is I'm actually I need to film it. I've got plans for a series of videos on making videos. Um, well, I know you've been you said, on the back of my that, mind for a while. Yeah, you said that like three years ago or four years ago. I know, <laughs> I know that one's been it's been hard, and that's honestly I have a strong imposter syndrome there um, because there's so many great resources, but and people come out with it all the time. And I but it's it's been on my mind a lot lately, and 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 I will do it. I have. Um, but I want it to be very good. Mm. And so I've got a lot of ideas, but it's going to involve a lot of filming days in different locations with different equipment to be able to kind of really go over. Cause not, I'm very fortunate. My background was, I did photography and stuff. I was very passionate about it. So I have different equipment available to me um, over time because of my other job. I had a budget available to me that was higher than average. So I want to make sure that the, the videos that I put out have um, an approach that shows super simple and achievable all the way up to, if you want to invest in and go further, what could you do? Um, and then specifically make it relevant to martial artists. There are plenty of videos. You can find all kinds of videos on how to film for YouTube or how to light for YouTube or microphones for YouTube or all this kind of stuff. Uh, but I want to specifically talk about things that I've been over the last couple of years, gathering my own thoughts and information on how do you film in the dojo when you're doing something physical, how do you film, and how do you have microphones so you can hear the right things, but not, uh, you know, break your microphones or have different mm. problems and and this kind of stuff. So I want to include that some you know the stuff that's specific to to us martial artists that are wanting to film and share the things that we do, which come with their own unique challenges when it comes to equipment and methodology. Definitely, I, I'm I'm up for uh, watching a, a Dodger recording from dummies. <laughs> There we go. There we go. We'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Nikkei Ken, thank you very much. I have to put the children to sleep, so it's going to be a short one. Yes. I'm super excited about having you here and um, training together and, and talking about the concepts, ideas, and philosophies. And I'm sure that there's yeah. lots of interest already, and I'm sure we're going to be sold out. Oh, amazing. I'm so I'm so excited. I'm so incredibly excited. And thank you so much for having me today. And I look forward to uh, hearing from people what they're what they're interested in, you'll have to make sure to let them know where to where to get a hold of of you with ideas or different things. Um, and I look forward to hearing from people. Yeah, I'm gonna put all the links to your um, your content. I think most of the people who listen to me know you very well. So, well, sure. you know, just put Ken okay. for TV and you find find him. <laughs> yeah, or email, comment, whatever. Let us know. Let us know what do you want us to do in this seminar, and are you gonna be there? Start telling us, are you coming? Are you going to come train with us? It's going to be amazing. You should do it. Uh, this will be my first trip out of the country, so you got to come make it special. What's wrong with you Americans? You never go outside. <laughs> like 90% know, of people never well, go outside because it's so big. Yeah, I know. I told you. I told you. I, I, I worked really hard to take over this company by doing that. I didn't do it well. I did it by just never not working. Uh, uh -huh. So now that I own it, maybe I can make different things, but... Uh, I just worked. I didn't ever go anywhere. I didn't even go on a lot of trips locally. Uh, I just worked all the time, and I don't well, recommend then, that. Then when you when you come here, I take you for nice ni nice trips to nice places. That you know, sounds amazing. I am uh, looking forward to that so much. You you are coming to the um, what do they, what do they call it uh, the place of outstanding natural beauty. Outstanding natural beauty. Yes. Yes. Yeah, love, love Don't let Jeremy Clarkson ruin that for you. I've been watching watching his show. And <laughs> I actually really like standing natural beauty. 
I did too. I did too. <laughs> He's the best so far he done, I think. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Thank All you right. so much, Les. Sports Social Podcast Network.